Hey there folks, Alex Lokes here and welcome back to the Classic Camera Revival and for the first time this year we are live and in studio, all five of us around one table and to kick things off we are doing one of the favorite things when we get together, we pass around cameras and shoot the mystery. Welcome to the Classic Camera Revival. Coming to you from the Greater Toronto Hamilton region of Ontario, Canada. If you don't have gear acquisition syndrome now, you most likely will by the end of the episode. All right, so one of the things that has been a um, bit of a staple for Classic Camera Revival, because we have such large collections, sometimes we share a lot of the same cameras but sometimes each of us has a camera that's unique or we've just wanted to you know share the love or the hate with them so one thing we like to do is called the mystery camera challenge and if you've listened to the previous three iterations what we do is all our names go in a hat we all bring a camera that we haven't told anyone we've loaded it with film and we let the other people shoot it so we decided to do that again. We were just shooting in downtown Oakville, a beautiful time of year here in Ontario. Well, it was. It's clouded over now. But anyways, um, so let's kick things off with the newest member of the CCR team, Jess Hobbs. And she was shooting the Nikon FM from John Meadows. Hi. Really happy to be here. Thank you so much for adding me to the team. Yeah, so I got John's Nikon FM, and I've got to say, I think I'm becoming a Nikon convert. Oh, boy. <laughs> Welcome to the tribe. Yeah. <laughs> the first one's free, kid. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a really fantastic camera to shoot with. Um, it was small enough for my tiny hands, so it felt just right. Uh, the metering was fantastic. I really love the uh, the metering system. Uh, I love the way the plus minus works so well and uh, that you can also see the shutter speed and the f-stop uh, through the viewfinder at all times, which is really fantastic. I guess the only tiny minor thing was just remembering to turn the light meter on all the time um, and then wind the film. That's just a little tricky for me with uh, you know my other cameras. It's... It's a switch or something that goes on, and then the meter's on, and I, I just go. So that's just a, the tiniest little thing I would have to get used to, but otherwise, it was a fantastic camera. I jump in and say, like, the one thing about, like, about the FM, like, the things like the FM2s and the FM3s, the titanium variety, they are highly sought after, and, of course, like any film camera these days, not cheap. But, the like, the FM, it was the first model. Sure, it only goes to one one-thousandth, but they are... I wouldn't say cheap as chips anymore, but uh, they're very affordable, and it's a solid, solid, reliable, simple, no frills, gets the job done, stays out of the way camera. Uh, I agree. I own a black FM just like yours, John. It's a workhorse camera that I'm happy to pull out in the dead of winter, and it will, it will work. Uh, generally, I run with a 50 AI, F2, a Nikkor AI 50 F2 lens, and it just doesn't fail. And um, yeah, they're not as cheap as they used to be, but compared to the FM2Ns, which are now bouncing around anywhere between 350 for, I guess you would generously call a user grade. Yeah, well, let's be honest. It looked like it got dragged behind a truck. Um, <laughs> upwards of like maybe 600 bucks for a museum piece. 
for an FM2N, be it chrome or black, uh, FM2N, FM2Ts, which I recently picked up an example. Those go even higher. Um, man, we'll talk about that another time. But again, the FM, I, I fully agree. Also, other fun fact, if you've got, say, an Icon F or F2 or a Nicker Mat with the AR1 soft release, guess what? That AR1 will work on your FM. So you get a soft release that you can use for it. Nice. Yeah, the, no, the FMs are great camera. And even in like heavily used, like the example that I have is beat up. Mechanically, it's still sound, but outside it's, it's fairly grungy, fairly dirty. Um, but it still, it just works. It just always works. This example that, uh, that Jess using today, like, a, it was given to me by a former co-worker mm. and it's a beaut- and it's pretty pristine this one looks like it was well taken care of and so like my guess is it will it'll keep going for years it could be the last of my cameras to die for all i know <laughs> and again it's because it's mechanical if the meter sometimes dies at it some will point still in the future work. who cares yeah and like that's what I really like about that camera is, first of all, it was a very, very, very clean camera that I got to shoot with, but it it's mechanical. That's my favorite thing. I don't think it's uh, it's you know a stretch for me to say that I don't like batteries. Um, I think everyone knows that. Anyone who's seen any of my videos on my YouTube channel, it's uh, mostly using battery-less cameras. Uh, so I always love a model that doesn't require a battery to shoot. Um, and also I wanted to say that I absolutely love that 35 f 2.8 lens. That is fantastic. I'm going to have to pick one of those up. It is a highly underrated lens. And the best part is most people will go for the f2 version, which means the f 2.8 often you can have for under 100. Exactly. I think that's what I got mine for at a Burlington camera. And how often do you need the extra stop? Let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have the 35 F2, both in pre-AI and AIS. There you go. I love it. Then people say, do you have the 1.4? No, I don't need the (laughs) 1.4. And John got a camera that James Lee and I actually both had with us. (laughs) And it's one of our favorites, and we are both Nikon fanboys, and that would be the ultimate Minolta Maxim, the Maxim 9. It is a struggle between the Maxim 9 and the F6 for me, so I'm really interested in hearing your uh, your opinion, John. Well, it's no F6, but it's the kind of camera actually I don't shoot much with at this point because I don't have any of the more, I'm not sure the term to use, it's like it's, you know, it's electronic, it's like sort of like the newer, like sort of like that final era of the film, the, the Pro, Pro Gear SLR. I'm going in a different direction, but this one, you know, and I'm trying to avoid gas because I sort of have, you know, I'm semi-retired now, don't have the cash that I used to have, but, you know, this is the kind of camera that it start, my brain started going, says, John, it's a new platform, but it's calling your name. You can eat craft dinner for a month, but... So should I give you... Um First rights of refusal on my uh, Maxim Nine. Kit. Oh, oh dear! I better talk to my wife. <laughs> what what I noticed was is, uh, and I, I took a very minimalist approach today. When Alex handed it to me, it was set to program mode or professional mode if you're uh, a wedding photographer under twenty five. And I said, okay, I'm just going to leave it there. And the camera got out of the way. 
The only thing I had to figure out was how to open the film back when I was done. And it was a very transparent camera. And I think I've used that expression before. Cameras that you're not fighting to, uh, to shoot. Sort of a contrast, this weekend I was shooting video for the first time on my Sony A7 for Jess. And I'm not a video person. And I realized that. And the Sony A7 II is not a great video camera. I didn't buy it for that. So I was fighting it for a lot of the weekend. But this one, I just picked the, the, the Maxim. I just picked it up and boom, two frames in. Okay, this is like, it's an extension of my arm. The viewfinder, like, oh my God. Like, I like, you know, to me, like a good viewfinder, like, you know, the old Nikon Fs, Olympus viewfinders are great. Canon F1. This one is right up there, perhaps better. Maybe the best viewfinder I've seen. 100% viewfinder. And that's not surprising at all. I mean, look look at the other line of Minolta cameras, the X700, for example, like one mm-hmm. of the best viewfinders in, I don't want to say a bargain camera, but in terms of value for your, your money, X700 is an incredible kit. Not to mention the early Xs as well. The XC7 and the XD have amazing viewfinders. Oh, the XD711, XD, I, I have a couple of bodies of those, and I consider them the high point of what Minolta was up to. Like around the late 70s, it was the pinnacle. It was also the camera that Minolta partnered with Leica with their R-series, the R4, R5, R6, R7, and then Leica went their own way. But yeah, the Maxim 9, It's I've never played with one. Uh, I can only imagine. Just it's, it's sort of like going from like, oh, I don't know, a 20-year-old Volkswagen Corolla, uh, the Toyota Corolla, and going into the behind the wheel of a McLaren supercar. <laughs> the only thing I didn't care for, and actually it turned out to be a plus, so I found that, like, I wear glasses, and um, and it's a very, very bright, sunny day today. You know, we really sort of, we knocked it out of the park for weather this weekend. And the uh, the readouts, I, I, I just, I basically could not see them until I moved my glasses around. Yep. But, then, but then I turned that negative into a positive, do we have to pay royalties for that phrase anyway? Uh, and found I was just looking at, I was composing. Nothing else got in the way. There were no distractions. I think we've all seen cameras where the uh, the viewfinder is so busy yep. that it's a distraction. And this was just like shooting like a, like a Rolleiflex or a Hasselblad. There was nothing but the frame. And that can be very, very liberating. Oh, Definitely. And like the the autofocus scene, fun. I I can't wait to uh, to develop the negatives. You know, if uh, I have to keep saying no, John, no more platforms. Use the gear you have. But I could see myself going into that uh, territory. God help me. <laughs> well, at least you can get Maxim glass fairly inexpensive. There's a handful of lenses out there that that you'd pay a premium for. But despite the fact that Sony uses the A-mount, a lot of the original Maxim glass can be had for a song, really. And I do have a spare beer can autofocus. Ah, the 7210. Yes. Okay. Uh, Yeah, long story short, it was supposed to be a Christmas present for my brother and uh, be given by my mom. She misplaced it. 
My brother got an example on his own, so I now have this spare beer can kicking around, metaphorically speaking. So, John, if you do happen to um, scratch that itch, I have one for you. Oh, there you go. Do you hear that sound, Mr. Meadows? That is the sound of inevitability. <laughs> no, More I, like Janice, like putting a, a kill on site order for me. Don't, I, don't let the do, carrot hit you in the head, John. Now, I do have to ask, what is the going rate these days for a Maxim 9 body line? Let's say with a 50. Surprisingly, the Maxim 9 is the least expensive of the two of the same era. More people will go towards the newer Maxim 7. Because the Maxim 7 will support the silent wave motor lenses natively, whereas you had to get an update on the Maxim 9. Mine, sadly, does not have that. And I believe if you go to custom setting 20... It's 20 or 24. And it will have an extra option. Yeah, you'll have... Um, I, currently, it has two values. And I think if you see a third a value... third value, Then yeah. you have the upgrade. Yeah. Um, yeah, mine, sadly, does not have the upgrade. Yeah. But I don't think you really need it. I yep. mean, like a seventy-two ten beer can lens is under a hundred bucks. Exactly. Or at least I think it was eighty-nine dollars the last time I checked, which yep. was about a year ago. So, and but the, what's the body? Give, give, give me the bad news. I would say about three hundred Canadian. Yeah, about three, that. Four hundred on the outside, I guess. Yeah. Yep. Last. Well, I well I got my kit from Joan about a year and a half ago, and it had the. Um, 35 to 70. Also a fantastic lens. Um, the 70 to 210. Yep. And a 50 17. I think Solid it was the 17. Yep. 400 and, no, 550 bucks with yeah. the body. Yep. So, and you got the grip on yours too, the VC9. And I, I got the grip, yeah. And yeah. the VC9 is really one of the killer accessories for it because you can then run the camera on four double A's. Like, yeah, and that that's a huge feature if you're somewhere like not every corner drugstore is going to have the exactly. batteries you want these days. I yeah. could be at the gas station halfway between Timmins and Sudbury and buy batteries for the camera. Yeah, you can stop at Joe's Variety Store and you're you're good to go. But when you said the word gas station, this table is a gas station. <laughs> so true. <laughs> then there's there's anti-gas. And I feel so bad for Bill because <laughs> And this is not Jess's fault by any means. We've we've had a bit of a hate for Helena since the early days of the podcast. So, but we've never actually had one on the podcast. So, having one on the podcast is fantastic. The trouble is Bill kind of got the shaft last time we did the mystery camera challenge. And he Got it again, and I really, really, really wanted Bill to try the Maxim 9 because he's a Minolta guy. Yeah. But he doesn't shoot the autofocus. So, Bill, tell us how you really feel about the Helena. I'm sorry, Bill. Where to begin? Well, I think we, we can tell in, in about 10 seconds if he pronounces it Helena or Helena. <laughs> Okay, and, and before you begin, Bill, I will be happy to leave my Maxim 9 here for you to borrow for a few days, if you like. Okay, I'll take you up on that offer, just for shits and giggles. I would take the Helena to play with, just just for the record. Sure. Alrighty, uh, so okay, um, quick history. Uh, I always have this uncanny ability in mystery camera challenges to get weird cameras that don't 
really work too often, like a contaflex system that got through the first 11 frames and then it decided to stop. Fast forward a few years and we do it again in the middle of the early first half of the pandemic, I wind up with a 645 contacts folder. And then today, the Helena. The Helena Prefect Senior. I love TLRs. I truly do. Rollies, Mamiya C-Series, even Minolta Auto Courts. I love them. This ain't one of them. <laughs> where, where to begin? These were built to hit a price point. We all know that. You know that. Even the people behind Helena, if they're still alive, they know that. They're unrepentant. So it has two apertures, F8, F16. And you can choose any speed you want as long as it's 1 30th of a second. <laughs> Focusing. <laughs> Everything's in focus for you. And, um, yeah. And, of course, my dreaded arch nemesis, the little red window in back, made a return visit. So I start. And crying. with roll eye film, too. Um, I, I was going to get to that. <laughs> Hold that thought. Keep Mr. your powder dry. Hold that thought, Mr. Lux. Hold that thought. So I'm kind of cranking along and then just going, oh, oh, Bill, um, you're on roughly frame seven now. Now, granted, I am a Gen X and my eyesight ain't quite what it used to be. And of course, I having not seen the backing paper of Rolly RPX films of late, I am I'm running under the assumption that they've con gone and gone with a tasteful middle gray for their frame numbers and that doesn't show up in the red window so note to those companies that are making 120 film out there add a little contrast to the numbers so if you're using an old camera like a helena prefix junior senior or the little craptastic uh, range finder that you know yeah, then maybe you get a fighting chance of seeing it. Um, so, yeah, sadly, a roll of Rolly RPX 25 was sacrificed for this exercise. Maybe there's a shot or two that came out. Jess will probably process it sometime in February when, you know, it's like really grim and acting veil Quebec and got nothing better to do. So, yeah. Stay tuned. Well, I chose RPX because or RPX twenty five because it's basically sunny sixteen, since the shutter speed's only one thirtieth, and yeah. and you have f eight, f eleven, and f sixteen to work with. So I figured it would pretty much match any sky. So at least film wise, if the shots turn out, it should be good. <laughs> I have actually shot RPX twenty five through that camera before, and my shots were fun. Um, it's, it, you You're know, they have character. <laughs> I, I actually really love the camera because it reminds me a bit of like a glorified Holga, uh, where you have a little bit more exposure control than the, just the regular Holga, but it gives that lovely vignetting and, 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 and low fineness. I think, Bill, you do raise a very good point about the, the film numbers because I have a camera like that, a Voigtlander Bessa 66, little 6x6 camera, gorgeous lens. You know, it's a, it's a, a very good camera, but you have the, the red window. 
and there are brands of film now, the 120, like, yeah, the numbers are there. But if you're, if it's a bright day, they are so hard to see, and it is so irritating. FOMA does a good job. FOMA, um, FOMA backing paper is excellent with uh, the red window. The last time I shot the Iconta 521, I had FOMA 400 mm-hmm. in it, and it was fairly easy to see and the I, numbers. But I think that's more of maybe less on the camera manufacturer and more on the film manufacturer. Mm making a product again pity we can't line up all the product managers for the respective companies and say hey what's wrong with you (laughs) contrast your numbers on the 120 backing paper is it brain surgery Mm -hmm. okay maybe you're saving whatever fraction of a euro on ink to go with gray instead of just a high contrasty black number Yep. Is that too much to ask for? And I actually find that Kodak is the worst for for the backing paper numbers. I'm sorry because I tell surprise because <laughs> <laughs> I've I, I've shot Kodak through like pinhole cameras and oh my goodness, it's almost impossible to see those numbers. I've gone, I've skipped so many frames on Kodak film, and as much as I love them, when I'm shooting Ektar in a pinhole camera, I'm not you know I'd like to get each frame. Um, so I'm sorry that the Rolly wasn't quite as as dark. You mean, yeah, well, it is what it is. And again, I'm probably next time we do a mystery camera challenge, I'll wind up with something that will. Well, I will make sure that at least I have a camera that you will enjoy working with, <laughs> not an F5. No, I, w- I wish the film manufacturers would take note. And the thing is, like, there are a lot of people who use the older gear. Mm. I mean, let's face it, like most pros have gone digital now. So people are using esoteric cameras and there are a lot of people like you know iconta rangefinder a lot of those older cameras have the red window you know don't abandon us yeah no absolutely or more like treat us as an afterthought i think it's a more accurate phrase mm. mm-hmm. and um i i ended up with the uh with bill's Nickermat ftn and i like the Nikkor matte line. And if I had enough space, I would definitely want to make sure that I had at least one in my toolkit, either an FTN or a, or an FT2. This thing was a tank. And yet it it feels oddly familiar in the sense that it has the match needle in the viewfinder, which I always like in my mechanical cameras. The one thing I didn't like about it is that it didn't have that split window in the prism. I've gotten so used to being able to line up that, find that vertical line, match the lines, and then I know I'm in focus. It wasn't hard to focus, which is great. It took me a bit of time of going back, okay, is this in focus? Is this not in focus? Um, Another thing that really surprised me about the camera, you'd expect it to have a fairly long shutter throw on it, but it's about as short as what I'm used to on an FM or an FE. It's just like, shink, shink, shink. It's a solid tank of a camera, and if you really want to get into um, Nikkor as a lens system, it's the cheap way to do it because it takes pre-AI lenses perfectly. You don't have to do anything with it, and they are cheap as chips, 
on the used market. You can still get an FTM for under a hundred bucks easily. Exactly. And really, the only challenge is, is the battery because it takes a six twenty five. But, but it doesn't need a battery. You don't need it if you don't want it. Uh, again, MR nine adapter, you're good to go. Now, granted, these bad Nikromat FTNs. They started production in nineteen sixty seven and they ended in nineteen seventy four. So you're talking cameras that are now probably at the youngest um, in their middle 40s, if not slightly older, and to upwards of maybe being a year older than I am, and I'm not going to exactly say how old I am, but let's just say. But yeah, again, the Nikromat series of cameras, uh, they just don't fail. Uh, And when they do, it's like, well, yeah, somebody really did run it into the dirt, but Mm-hmm. They were designed as a prosumer body so people can get access to the Nikkor lens line because at the time, Nikon F and then later the F2 was equal to buying a Nikon D5. Yeah, no, exactly. I think Nikon always did a good job of having a second-tier camera or, like, or sort of like a prosumer that uh, pros would use as their backup. Like the, you'd have the F4 and then let's say like an N90S or F90X, or you'd have like the Nikon and perhaps you'd have a Nikomat because they just, they're reliable as a truck. Yeah. They just never die. And it's something that they still do today. I mean, you, you have the D4, then you have the D5s, but you also have the D850s and the D750, which I actually have here on the uh, on the table today and it produces just as good an image as you'd get out of a d5 because it's the exact same sensor so yep and the same lens yep well and and in fact too like some of the prosumer bodies um that nikon produces actually develop faster than the flagship cameras absolutely so you can actually get more advanced technology and obviously primarily for the digital uh, shooters out there but you know, the prosumer stuff advances a lot faster to market yeah. than the flagships well, uh, do. Well, again, so. that kind of always used their prosumer bodies as almost the test bed because they were very conservative. Like the, if you look at even in the 80s, the F3 was just center weighted. Mm-hmm. That's like a 70-30 ratio. But then they had the FA, which was their little toe dip into the world of matrix metering. And... Um, they used that when they launched the F4 just a few short, you know, in the late 80s when they everyone started going on the autofocus bandwagon, which I'll talk about the F4 later on. Yep. Yeah, yeah the, the Nikkor mats are essentially the ambassador class to the Galaxy class. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And, and they are tanks. I mean, like, it's just, you, you can't destroy them. I mean, you could, no. you could, you know, if you're, you had a bad parking brake on your car, just stick one under the tire. Or as I kind of like to say, you're channeling Boris from the movie Snatch, uh, if you run out of film, you can hit somebody with it. Absolutely. All right, well, that, that about wraps it up for this episode. It's just great to get back into the studio with everyone to uh, kick it off, and we're going to have uh, three more studio episodes coming up through uh, the rest of November and into December. So... That's it. I'm Alex Lokes. Get out there. Stay safe. Make something cool happen. I'm Bill Smith. Stay cool. Shoot tons of film. And yes, it's all good out there. Hey, this is James Lee. Um, it's nice to finally meet Jess in person. So that's kind of cool. And um, I don't know what's going to happen if Jess is going to get worse or we're going to get better. 
I don't know. Hmm. Hmm. She'll be a bad influence on all of us. Yeah. Anyway, you know, love is a mystery. Film is not. Get out there and shoot some. Have some fun. Hey, this is Jess Hobbs. Uh, Thanks again uh, for making me a part of this. It's been so much fun getting to meet you all in person. Uh, Hopefully I won't be too much of a bad influence on you, although I'm thinking you might be a worse influence on me because I'm starting to think, uh, I'm starting to soften up towards a Minolta, which I don't currently have. (laughs) So yeah, Jody, if you're listening, I'm sorry. This year is going to get expensive. Anyways, have lots of fun out there guys shoot lots of film and just enjoy yourselves this is john meadows and as we found out today the mystery camera challenge is like a box of chocolates you never know what you're gonna find sorry bill 